Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk the Bear, in studio. You look very bearish today. Thank friend. you. Yeah, that's a good. That's a compliment to a guy. Like I couldn't go to my wife or you know a lady friend and be like, "You look bearish today." <laughs> you look remind me of a bear. <laughs> it wouldn't go you, well. You know, no, no, no. You know, it's interesting. You know, men and women turns out are actually different. Really? Yeah. I was just thinking that. I think they, they are. And that's okay. Mm. Actually, it's it's needed. If we were the same, it would be really bad. Yeah. I mean, you need the complementation of the other, right? Yeah, it's almost like uh, that was the idea mm. when we were created. Yes. You know, it's a funny thing, Paul, not to get on a soapbox too much. But yeah, no, I mean, get on one. I, I, I like But I like this, that. this desire to destroy the differences between women and women, the church is not immune. Hmm. The church is not immune from that, and um, I'm sure you've seen that in in your uh, work with couples in particular. I mean, one of the one of the falls of original sin, the consequences is that we we struggle to understand the the gift of men and women to each other, right? And sometimes it becomes that struggle to understand it becomes very hurtful because it's very deep that we need each other as men and as women, and uh, in the home, in the workplace, in the church. Well, if a man wants to become a woman and a woman wants to become a man, then then we stop complimenting each other, mm-hmm. each other's gifts and strengths. You know, and of course... And we start being jealous of each when other. When you use the word toxic, you know, because that's a word like toxic masculinity mm-hmm. or toxic femininity. The toxicity is when man doesn't operate in his true role as a man and woman doesn't operate in her true role as a woman. Right. Yeah. And so then we become toxic. We become angry, become vicious. We attack the other. We come after the other. We want to put man down. We want to put woman down. We suppress the other instead of compliment the other, meaning we set each other free to be fully who we are and created to be. Um, so, I mean, yeah, interesting. Like if you just follow nature and God's design, you know, you got us on a soapbox, and we just started the show. Right out the gate. Right out the gate, man. You're a big <laughs> bully bear Yeah. today. <laughs> yeah, man. Look, I was on uh, a really cool podcast last week. I've been on a lot of interviews, and as of late, more so because my book, Holy mm-hmm. Grit's out, and so the publisher of A Maria Press has got me on a, different interviews, Next week, I'm going to Birmingham to EWT. Oh, you'll be there? I'll be there. That's awesome. In studio. Which, um, what show are you doing? For sure, Life on the Rock. I'll be yeah. a guest and then whatever else. I don't know. You've done Life on the Rock several times, huh? I have been. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, but I was a guest on a local show, which I've never been on. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I Get an Amen podcast? Yeah. And if, and if you haven't listened to that show, just look it up on any platform. Can I Get an Amen Um Two ladies, Kayla, Chrissy, uh, they're they're hysterical, fun, deep, great, enjoyed the conversation. It was really fun. Uh, You know those guys. Yeah. Those ladies. Yeah, they are are a lot of fun, and they do a great job. And, uh, yeah, I I was on the podcast pretty early on. I I can't remember when, um, just a couple years ago, early on into there. And then Marianne and I went on uh, a year or so later, I think. Really? Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, you're, it's, you're, it's a good time. Yeah, I mean, they well, they threw bell peppers at me to start the show. Well, um, I, I actually listened to the podcast 
Really? Yes. Well, most of it. Well, some of it. Did you learn anything? Yeah, I learned a lot about you. You did. And your story. I mean, we've been together all these years, and and you've never asked me some of those questions. It's true. It's true. Like, yeah. So that was very uh, enlightening to hear about you and about uh, your journey and how I, I didn't know the bell pepper story. Right, we we told it on this show. But they threw real bell peppers at you on the podcast, is that right? Yeah, and they filmed it. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. You didn't know that was coming? No. Okay. No, no, no. But anyway, it was it was great. We had fun. We talked about all sorts of things. Uh, but the conversation about men and women came up. Of course, mm. you know, this this idea that we, we exist to complement each other, to set each other fully free to be fully who we are when we live in our true identity as men and women. Um, what a concept. Yeah. You know? Well, it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but it seems like a woman, security is the big deal. I want to feel secure. Mm. And that security is not so much, do I have enough stuff around me to get through life? Although that it could manifest that way of like a kind of a focus, let's say, on do we have the things that we need, um, especially because they, they, they're very, their heart is so big that taking care of people, taking care of their kids, taking care of their friends, take care, like, do we have everything we need to be taken care of? But security in that things are as they ought to be, but in particular that people love me as they should love me. It seems like that makes a woman more secure than anything in the world, right? Their, mm. their husband loves them as they should. Their dad loves them as they should. Their uh, coworkers love them as they should. People's love gives us security. And so I wonder, Paul, here's my question. Mm-hmm. What... Um, what is so frightening to a woman about masculinity uh, today? Like women today, it seems like there's a um, a tendency to want to be afraid of a man who's going to love them like a man because uh, it seems like that's the wrong way to love them. I don't know. Yeah. Well, because I, I do think like in defense of a lot of women who struggle with with that is their experience of a love from a man has been a very negative experience. Ah, maybe from a father or a mentor or even a boyfriend or a husband who has been abusive verbally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, uh, has um, been controlling and manipulative. That's toxic masculinity. You know, the masculinity of Christ and the saints the, uh, is to to love and to serve, right? Mm-hmm. To to give, to defend, to, um, to to be a leader by by loving and serving and dying for the other, and so when someone doesn't experience that type of love through a man, then they put up guards. You know, they 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 protect themselves, and then that wound grows. So, and, and the same can be said for 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 men who yeah. have a hard time learning how to receive love from a woman or that love. Uh, maybe they use women because they've never experienced true authentic love from a woman, a mother, uh, a mentor, uh, a girlfriend, a, a wife who, who is very vicious, controlling, whatever the case may be. And so, you know, I mean, we live in a broken world and we, we live out of our brokenness and woundedness, mm-hmm. all of us, mm-hmm. some more than others because others haven't sought out or have had the opportunity maybe for healing or counseling or to work through some of those those issues. And so therefore, what I have found is that we, 
we live, we just live out of the, our brokenness to the point where, you know, it just becomes habit, Mm. you know, which brings me to this thing that I've been thinking about a lot. And, and I know if I was going to bring it up in the show, but I'm going to do it anyway. Since you got on a soapbox, I'm going to get on a soapbox. Bring it. Is I, I really think, and I've been reading more about it and, and I hate to throw out this word lightly because sometimes we even joke about the word, but uh, I think there's a really an epidemic of narcissism mm-hmm. in our society. And I was talking to a friend of mine, Dr. Bob Schutz, who's a, a great therapist, Catholic, does a lot of healing ministry. And, and, you know, he makes note that everyone, everyone, every human has a, has a, you know, a dose of narcissism in them. Like a, uh, this tendency, this concupiscence to, be selfish yeah. that it's about me. And we all turn inward. Like, so like, you know, like everyone which is, you know, really at the root of narcissism is unhealed wounds. And so when we have these unhealed, you know, things in our life, everything begins to become about us. Mm-hmm. We turn inward to the point where we don't see other people. We don't see the needs, the the good, the uh, the ability to love and serve others, everything becomes about us. And we're it's a growing epidemic in our culture that uh, it and it's it, here's the surprising thing to me, and and I shouldn't be, is that I see it a lot in the church and in Christians mm-hmm. and Catholics, leaders and ministries who, man, it's all about them. Mm-hmm. It's all about their voice. It's all about their brand. It's all about their name. And I'm just like, wow, like taking videos of yourself while you're praying so you can post it, you know, just like, like just constant, this constant, you know, Hey, look at me. It's about me. And I don't know, like I'm trying to step back and be like, what is going on? (laughs) Was that soapbox enough? That's great. I'm so sorry. I love the soapbox. I mean, okay. So Pentecost is coming up and we're talking about the Holy Spirit. I think. I've been surprised in my still young journey as a Catholic man because uh, I'm only 37, so right. I've got a ways to go. Do you have a birthday coming up? Uh, July. So it's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, a couple it, months. I mean, thanks, man. <laughs> to say your birthday's coming up would be accurate. Oh yeah, it's right? coming up. It's not behind you. It's coming up. It's. I mean, it's everybody's birthday's coming up at <laughs> some point true. within the next 365. So I should have added soon. Yeah, but couple yeah, months. July. And I'll be soon. 38. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed how easy a spirit can take over a a small community or a big community. And by that, I mean, you know, if it's a spirit of narcissism mm-hmm. and like just focusing on you, that could like run rampant in uh, office space, in a family, in a church parish, in a um, in a city, even like when people decide to live that way, it's not it's. It's not an isolated event. It mm-hmm. affects everybody, and it just spreads. You said this epidemic. It really does spread. But I've also seen, praise God, how quickly the Holy Spirit can spread if people are committed to live by the Spirit and not by these things. So like in my life, um, this is just a meaningful example, but Family Missions Company, mm-hmm. they're, they're great about this in that they've they've had these, uh, I think they still do it. I'm not sure, actually. But they have these mission formation nights that anybody could go to, right? So like in college, I would uh, go with a group of friends who would just show up and you get this like mission formation to be missionary. There's a lot of asking the Holy Spirit to be present. There's a lot of like, you know, just 
not being selfish, right? But seeking out, and man, it it moved amongst our friends pretty quickly. You know, um, the Holy Spirit can move too, not just the spirit of narcissism. But the thing is, you have to decide, and you have to decide which spirit you're gonna you're gonna bring. What are you bringing to the table? What are you bringing to your family? And you. The thing about narcissism, all you have to do is start imploding. All you have to do is start caring about you, and that's the spirit you bring. But for the Holy Spirit, you have to ask for the spirit. You have to actually, hmm. you know, like once a week, we're going to get together and ask for the Holy Spirit. You have to do stuff like that. You can't just like say, I'm going to wake up and be Holy Spirit today. You have to ask, and then the Lord has to give. And uh, that is the, the antidote to the narcissism, right. is that the, the spirit that is of God. Man, we do have to ask to be selfless to think of others, to love others. I mean, that is a gift of the Spirit. This is why in the culture, as our culture has become less and less godly, we become more and more narcissistic. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so healthy narcissism is part of a normal human functioning thing. It, and it says it can represent healthy self-love, which is good, and confidence that is based on real achievement, the ability to overcome setbacks uh, and uh, derive the support needed uh, from from community, okay? Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, like, self-love, self-acceptance, that's all important. I, You know, I, I need to take care of myself, have needs. Um, but narcissism becomes a problem when the individual becomes preoccupied with self-excessive a- admiration, approval from others, while showing disregard for other people's sensitivities, um, attention, uh, substance abuse, you know, depression, it just kind of leads into other things. I've had, so I know a lot of people around the country and I'm connected all over and I just live here and I'm just trying to do my thing with my family and, and love others. And I'm not real good at it. Okay. <laughs> One thing I try to be conscious of, and I'm not always great at it is to ask people how they're doing or what's going on in their life. It sounds like a normal thing, right? I have had multiple conversations with people around the country, the leaders, different people, um, and it's been interesting because it's like, I leave the conversations like they didn't even ask like what I was doing. Yeah. How I was doing. Yeah. Or anything like there was, it was all about, I had this conversation last week with, with a, a, a leader of a, a, a movement, men's movement. And it was just all about like how I could make, help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they I don't, don't know. It was they just, don't know it's just been it. real yeah. interesting. It's just been kind of like in the, it's in the back of my mind, and now it's moving to the front. And yeah, you're starting I'm just to notice like, it. Yeah. I don't know how. You know, I think the advent of the internet, social media, uh, and trying to everything has got to be branded and out there. I know there's a balance to it all, so I'm not like coming after all of it. I, I'm just saying, like, what is the balance of like, you know, doing your thing. Being on mission, uh, doing what the Lord's asking, and yet always thinking about others as Christ would. I don't know. Yeah, I contrast that experience with one I had. I won't mention his name, but let's say a very holy, famous cleric that I was around for um, some event, and we were going to have a liturgy together, or I was serving at the liturgy, let's say. And uh, this, this is always stuck with me, but. He, he turns to me and he says, uh, so how was your day? Right. Like this famous, well-known 
Just, like, I'm just a guy. And you were just him. surprised that he even asked. Yeah. Like it actually caught just, your attention. Your yeah. <laughs> I was like, pretty good. How about you? Right. <laughs> and it's just the fact that he, he was looking at the other people in the room, which he sees people in the room all the time, mm-hmm. um, really stuck with me. But I think it's going to what you were talking about, this idea of the more we're on mission, the more we have to remember what the mission is, which is people. Yeah. And... uh the people Christ love, which is everyone, but particularly the lowly and particularly those who are nobodies in the eyes of the world, they're somebody to Christ, you know? Well, I think if, if like, everyone's mission was to be about other people and loving other people, we wouldn't have any problems. Like, everyone would be about everyone in a sense of loving, caring. You know, I think we would solve the world's hunger crisis, the world's poverty crisis, you know, the world's, you know, depression crisis, because everybody would be seen, known, and loved. And that's the deepest human desire, is to be seen, known, and loved, man. And uh, Well, and because it's the deepest desire, our Lord provides for that desire, right? It's so like if we desire water, God's going to give us water. And the Lord has provided for that with the church. I mean, the church ought to be, if, we, if we're who we are called to be, the ones who see everybody. Yeah. Because we can, because we see Christ. Because we don't see with our own eyes, we see with the eyes of Christ. We, Mother Teresa is the icon of what we should all be, that there's no one divorced from the love of God mm-hmm. for them in Christ Jesus. And when we look at people, that's what we see. We see the love of Christ for that person. And we should ask people. We should be better at it, myself included. How are you doing? How's your day? But mean it. Look them in yeah. the eye. And and be willing to to hear them out, like to not be walking by. Mm-hmm. With the idea of like, you know, I'm not will- I'm willing to ask you, but I'm not willing to stop, right? You know, so I don't know. It's just a good challenge for us because uh, you know you- you're right. Like when we approach Pentecost, the Spirit of God is not just this figurative, mythical thing. It is a literal presence of Jesus that gives us the grace and the gifts that we need to become like Christ. So that's. That's the thing that we need to wrestle with in the reality. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with a couple of weird Catholic things and a, have you seen? I mean, we're in for surprises. <laughs> Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Bear in studio uh, here on KLFT Radio in Acadiana. Thanks for everyone for listening in and on the podcast wherever you are located. Where are you located? Where are you? Where are you? We got a big day coming up in our family. Really? Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. We have a wedding. The first George I'm, Kid wedding. I'm not getting married. No. You've been there. Been there, done that. Yeah. Doing it. Yeah. Still. Um, but our oldest shout out to Marie and Matt 
Marie's my oldest, and mm-hmm. Matt is my future son-in-law, soon to yeah. be. But anyway, shout out to them. It's kind of a big change in our well, life. Yeah, it's crazy. You're getting a son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so speaking of narcissism, you realize that when you're when you're doing a wedding for your child, it is not about you. That's it important. It is yeah. about them. Yeah, that's so I keep telling my wife and I, not in a bad way, like just a reminder, hey. That's what I keep telling my hey, wife. Hey, we, yeah, we're paying for it and we're throwing the party, but it's not ours. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of cool. Yeah. It, it is very humbling and selfless because it's like, no, this is about them, their day, their sacrament, their vocation, their celebration. And of course, we're celebrating it for them, with them, and we're paying for something that is for them but not for us you know what i'm saying like yeah and so you got to wrestle with like well, well if, if we're doing this then it should be more about us and anyway it, it's been a good process for us and we're super proud of them they're they're, they're great and uh, excited for their life together but it's a new phase of life for us yeah what a journey yeah m m right Mar- marie and matt yeah yeah right they can give out M and M's at the wedding. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, maybe we could do a poll since no one listens to our show <laughs> or comments uh, on what would be a uh, future grandfather name for me. Because that's I just. A, I thought you already declared that. Isn't it Big Daddy? Well, that's an option, but it, it seems to be losing steam at my house. Yeah, because it's not a good idea. It sounds narcissistic. I think. <laughs> To go with the theme of today. Yeah, Big Daddy. But I have other options. So anyway. Little Daddy. (laughs) More humble. Yeah. It just doesn't go well when you see me because you're like, he's not a little man. Right? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of has to match. Okay. Do you uh, have a have you seen today? For real though? Yep. Yes. So... I bet, you ha- I bet you have a little Bible collection at home. Like, I'm thinking of your first Bible that you bought when you were, I'm thinking of little Paul George, mm-hmm. just went to his first Bible study, got fired up. I have one wrapped in duct tape. It's so For old real? and used, yeah. When did you get it? And I literally cannot see the words in it. Nice. Anyway. Is that like from high school? Not because it's faded, because the, the, the words are so small. Oh. I called it my preacher Bible, Ooh. you know, when I was young. You could carry it around in one hand and, you know could see everything but anyway uh i have way too many bibles and too many versions to where it's like oh i was reading this and it said this and then you go in the other one it's like oh it kind of said this and he's like oh it didn't match well don't throw them away okay keep them i never thought about throwing a bible away by the way or burn them or bear well if you do have to dispose of a bible just so we're all clear if it's blessed even if it's not just burn it or bury it burn it i would feel weird burning a bible yeah what's a holy thing so if you need to get rid of it and sometimes you have to get rid of it, like it was destroyed, like it was rained on and got destroyed. And well, be- I'd rather bury it than burn yeah, it. Bury it makes sense. Yeah, but uh, hang on to it because it may make your great 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 grandchildren insanely rich. Really? Yes. Okay. Because have you seen this? Um, the uh, a eleven year eleven hundred year old Hebrew Bible. Okay. Sold at auction. That's not that old. No. Mm-mm. Sold at auction in uh, in Britain for thirty million 
What's got all the like probably original text and stuff? Thirty million. What's one of these uh, handwritten uh, books? You know, so it's not like um, printing press. It's handwritten, as they used to copy the Bible by hand. Yes, of and course. it's it's seen as one of the world's oldest intact books, so it's still in good shape. It's like your duct tape. So not only is a Bible, but just one of the oldest books intact. Right. It just happens to be also the Bible scripture. Right. So you may not get thirty five million for your duct tape Bible, but maybe five million? Hmm. You know, maybe five dollars. No, man. Think you gotta leave this for your great 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 grandson. So like a thousand years from now, mm-hmm. if they have my Bible, maybe. Yeah. Just because it's old. But you'll never guess who bought it. For thirty million. I'm sorry, who sold it? It's pocket change. Um, Bill Gates. Bill Gates had it? So he originally, he probably bought, obviously bought oh, it. Oh, I got somewhere. that wrong. Sorry. Uh, He has manuscripts, but he paid $31 million. Not for this one, but he has one he made, paid $31 million for. Really? Of the Bible, yeah. Um, A rare copy of the U.S. Constitution went for $34 million two years ago. So apparently, just rare documents, old, rare but a Bible's worth $38 million, which hmm. is wild. So hang on to those old Bibles. I have one that my wife sold me. We were not even dating, but she worked at a, um, a religious bookstore. And I went in to buy a Bible, and she sold me this Bible. She, she was, was working there. Me. Yeah. Was and it at that point you're like, I'm going to marry her? No. No? I you, wish. Did I wish you I even see that, her but... and recognize her and thought, oh, she's pretty? Oh, yeah. We were friends, and I thought she was a good looker. Yeah. Sweet lady. Yeah. Um, but we weren't romantically involved yet. Right. But I still have that Bible. So she sold it to you. You remember that, and then mm-hmm. you still have it. Oh, yeah. Hung on to it. So it's worth more to you than it is to other people. But one day it could be worth $30 million. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, if you, become, if you become a saint, like a martyr and a saint, it's going to I love how value. you said martyr because that that really is my only hope. That's you your know only that. hope. I you know definitely that. know that. There is no like, <laughs> hey, I wonder if Adam's gonna like live to ninety nine and be canonized. No, but you're, and I know this because if I got it, I spot it, right? Yeah. So like, my only hope is the same. But like, you're, yeah, your only hope is like, you're somebody's gonna like murder you in St. Martin's Square <laughs> because of your. That's my only way to get canonized <laughs> for know, sure. As uh, <clears throat> you know, like. Yeah, the deacon who died for Jesus in St. Martinville, and then you're canonized. <laughs> so if I'm a martyr deacon saint, then maybe my, my Bible. Yeah, speaking something. of like canonized saints, like uh, the Pope just canonized the martyrs, um, the recent martyrs in, um, do you, you know what I'm talking about? No. Um, they were recent martyrs in, um, gosh, foreign land. Obviously foreign land. Somewhere in not um, America? Yeah, they were, um, they were, whew. They were shot all together. There's like 10 of them. You wow. That? The Coptic um, uh, martyrs. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look it up. But they were all, um, what, what would you say? Um, yeah, they were all shot, but like. Martyred. Uh, martyred. Yeah, I guess you let's just keep going back. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, it is amazing. I mean, the. Uh, my son actually has a joke with his friends right now that uh, their hope for sainthood is martyrdom. So they picked one. You know how they say like Paul Meeky and companions yes. and things like that? Mm-hmm. So they picked one of the, which one of them was going to be the main one and then which ones were just the companions. Right. 
Um, so that's what they call their little group of friends. Um, St. Nick and Companions. Yeah, so it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten at the same time that were um, on May 15th. Uh, wait, let me let me look. Um, ten new saints, the Catholic Church. Um, I can't believe you didn't see this. Usually on top of this. I know. Um, so... So yeah, it's it it's kind of crazy. I don't know if you remember years ago these these Christians were martyred in um I'm gonna find it, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, martyrdom still happens. So that that's your really your only chance. Um you know for you as a deacon. Yeah. Oh, I, for sure. I think. I mean I I mean I do see you as a like a like a holy guy, but not that holy. Right. I mean, not like I'm. I'm in the studio right now with a living saint. Yeah, you don't it's kind of like you. Said, you don't get that vibe. Like with this priest, you were <laughs> um, with mass with. You yeah. know that you're like I'm. I'm in the presence of like a, maybe a future saint, and I don't even know who you're talking about. But you right. know when you're in the presence, um, uh, of someone. Yeah, you and, know, and I don't give off that vibe. Right. Yeah. Which is great. Well. Yeah, we're kind of all there, um, you know. So anyway, uh, speaking of, um, do you have a uh, weird Catholic stuff? What? That's weird. Yep. Why are you Catholic so weird? Stop being so weird. Dude, uh, there's no telling what you're coming up with today. Well, this one's actually related to Pentecost. Of course, this Sunday is the great feast of the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost when Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit into the church, and I uh, fulfilled his promise. Um, but there's actually a weird tradition that I didn't know about until last year's Pentecost that I want to bring up for this year's Pentecost that happens in Rome uh, every year. So I, I guess it'll happen this uh, year as well, since they've been doing it for years and years and years. But it's it's uh, Roses from Heaven on Pentecost Sunday. Are you familiar with this? Talk to me, man. In Rome. So what they do is they actually drop rose petals from the top of um, the uh, basilica in Rome, and it just falls... To the ground and this like beautiful display, like thousands of rose petals, like filling the church to represent the coming of the Holy Spirit and the tongues of fire, because it looks like little tongues of fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so anyway, and they're not; it's not the only church apparently that does this. So there's one in the states, at least, um, in Chicago at St. John Cantus Church, Chicago, Illinois. Which, if you haven't been there, it's a beautiful. Church, St. John Cantus, like literally one of the most beautiful churches in the country. It's just gorgeous. But apparently they do this as well. So they just get tons of rose petals and drop it from the ceiling um, to symbolize the uh, the falling of the Holy Spirit and the tongues of fire. Um, so anyway, if you're in Rome on Pentecost if this year or any year, uh, go to the Pantheon, which is now the, the Basilica of uh 
Sancta Maria ad Martyr, Matres, so I guess Queen of Martyrs, Holy Mary, Queen of Martyrs. Um, I know about it last year because our students were in Rome for Pentecost at the school at John Paul the Great Academy. They were on a trip, and they sent back this video. It's it's kind of unbelievable. Hmm. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Um, but if you can't make it to Rome, go to Chicago for Pentecost at St. John Cantus Church. Well, Chicago needs a Pentecost. Yeah. And so does every city in the world, <clears throat> in our country. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking a lot about the Holy Spirit because like all during the Easter season, we're reading the book of Acts. So you see the Spirit of God moving, the early church being formed, um, you know, passionate, radical Christians preaching, conversions happening, the world's becoming, you know, the way Jesus said it would. Uh, <clears throat> and then I look at the world today and I'm like, whoo. How do we do that again? <laughs> you know, how how do we start moving and operating with the same spirit of God that moved in the early church that can move today? You know, when we have we formalized the Holy Spirit to the point where we've bottled it up? You know, I, I don't know the answer. Well, the thing is, I think you do know the answer, which is which is the sad part because in it, in any dysfunction, let's say uh, in a home in a whatever the answer is usually pretty simple usually to to clear it up now the dysfunction can make it complicated that because this simple thing isn't happening you know maybe it's you know wife and husband aren't communicating aren't actually talking to each other and because that's happened then all these complicated scenarios arise right like it gets very and that might take years to heal but the communication which is the root of the problem is actually pretty simple the church is the same way it's actually pretty simple to follow Christ and to be and to live in the Holy Spirit. And when we don't, it gets so complicated. The church becomes a mess, right? We have everything from sex abuse crises to, um, you know, uh, the opposite of evangelization, people leaving the church left and right. Like, it gets pretty complex, and it seems like we'll never fix it. But actually, the church is pretty simple. To get more Holy Spirit, what do you have to do? You know this, Paul. What do you do? Hmm. Just ask for it. Ask, and you shall receive. That's what Jesus said. <laughs> It really is that simple. Hmm. But in asking, like St. James says, you ask but you do not receive because you don't know how to ask rightly. When we ask for the Holy Spirit, we have to give up our spirit, the spirit of this world. We have to give up our own uh, priorities for our life, our own plans, our own way of doing things and seeing things. When we ask for the Holy Spirit, we have to lay down our life and say, God, you take over. Hmm. We have to ask rightly. So when someone says or has said to me or has made this statement, make room for the Holy Spirit... Like they're actually mean. Like you have to make room for the Holy Spirit. Like you, you have to like allow the Spirit of God to like access and be a part of your life. You can't overclutter your life with all these things to where the Spirit of God can't move in your life or be a part of your life. Yes. Yeah. And the thing is, you have to do that every day, and that's what the saints learn. And then, but it's not complicated. Just every day you wake up to a new. Room, interiorly, it's all God's. And so you, you just move everything out of the way, you clear it all out, and you say, Lord, do with me what you want today. And you ask the Holy Spirit to come, dwell in you that day, and, and rule your life. The thing is, it is that simple. It's but, not more complicated than that. Yeah, but when we're, when we're so inclined to narcissism, life being about us, you know, because the Holy Spirit 
it moves us out of ourself, right? Mm -hmm. Into mission, into love, into, you know, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, into gifts of service and action and preaching and interpretation and all, all these things that benefit the world and the church and others. So we have to get rid of ourselves so that we can become, you know, <clears throat> vessels of Jesus. And that's really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, but here's the thing is that the spirit helps us to remove those things, the yeah. Holy spirit. And so just asking even the Holy spirit, heal my wounds, help me to see others, help me to become less, you know, selfish, help me to, uh, help make room, help me figure out how to make room, help me figure out where to make room. You know, mm -hmm. like it's not, you don't have to do the work on your own. The grace of God is with you to do the hard work, to do the simple work, to make room for Jesus to access, you know, more of your heart, right? So at Pentecost, like we should be asking the Holy Spirit to be more part of our life, access more of our, our, our interior rooms, as you were saying. And more a part of our church. You know, the Eucharistic revival we're in, for example, great idea, fully endorse it and support it. But it's a it's a dead idea without the Holy Spirit. You know that the and if it's just an event mm -hmm. that doesn't move us into mission, right? Then it's just an event. It's three years of events that we go through and then move on from, right? But the way that the Spirit moves in it is is you know like uh, the Catechism says that the Holy Spirit's role in the sacred liturgy is teaching. It's like the Holy Spirit will teach us directly. You know, like mm -hmm. and it's not in a not in a I don't mean that in a Protestant way where like there's no magisterium to teach us, but it is real that the Holy Spirit has to become our teacher. St. Paul talks about this. We, mm -hmm. As we grow in maturity as Christians, the Spirit of God has to become our teacher. And the Holy Spirit teaches us in the liturgy through the liturgy of the Word, but also through the mystery of the sacraments where He's present and moving in, a, in our life, right? In the mystery of the Eucharist. And the Holy Spirit brings unity in the church. Yep. He does that. So... The Eucharistic revival or any emphasis of teaching, yes, we should be teaching more about the Eucharist, but the teaching has to come from the Holy Spirit, right. not just me. Like I can't just tell more people Spirit about Jesus. Spirit moves. The Spirit has to teach. Spirit moves. And the unity of the church is not going to come from me unifying the church, right? Like, hey, people fighting liturgy wars. Hey, people fighting whatever. Like, put down your weapons and let's just all get along. The unity comes from the Spirit. And so I have to ask, Lord bring about the unity of the church, which every Mass we do ask for that. We ask for the Holy Spirit to make us one in charity. Yep. So, anyway, I, I think um, to ask for the Holy Spirit to move the church, because we have awful ideas as a church without Him, our pastors do, our lay people do, like we all are lost without the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we, we will not have good ideas. He's the advocate, the guider. Okay, I'm going to open up a big old can here. Oh, boy. Okay, I cannot believe you haven't heard about this. So, so I got a little stuck earlier, because usually when I mention something, you know about it yeah. in the church, but you didn't. Pope Francis adds um, 21 Coptic Orthodox martyrs to the Catholic list of saints. So he met with Coptic Orthodox Pope uh, Tawardus II, Okay, so this is is this the Greek that's Orthodox? Your, that's your son's name, right? Tawardus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Middle name. Oh, okay. Is this the Greek Orthodox? Pope? Well, Coptic Orthodox. So Coptic. They, yeah. Is that is that the Eastern Rite? 
Well, it's one. This, this no, is the Pandora's box I'm opening. Be. This is like. So there's 34 Eastern Rites in union with Rome. There's others that are not. And they basically each have a counterpart in the Orthodox Church. So the Coptic Orthodox are not in union with Rome. Um, so Pope Francis announces with Pope Tawardus II that 21 Cap- Coptic Orthodox martyrs, which in 2015, I don't know if you remember this, they were dressed in like prison suits and right. got martyred, beheaded. They were all beheaded. That was the other thing I got wrong. 21 of them beheaded for the faith. Wow. Um, and he announces the Orthodox martyrs will be inserted into the Roman uh, mar- martyrology of the Catholic Church as a sign of spiritual communion with the two Christian churches. Wow. So they get, they gave their life for the faith, so they're you know recognized as martyrs and saints, but also a sign of unity because the, the in the Coptic you know Orthodox Church they were already recognized as saints. They had a, relics of them and, and everything. Wow. Yeah. That's something. Twenty fifteen <clears throat> they were martyred. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's not even a decade ago. Yeah. So like I'm not uh, you know schooled. Uh, <clears throat> Twenty one. Twenty were Egy- from from Egypt, Egyptian, mm-hmm. and one hailed from Ghana, were beheaded in Libya in 2015 by militants of the so-called Islamic State. A video published by the terrorist organization showed the men praying as they died. I remember seeing that. Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, this is eight years ago. This wow. is crazy, right? Um, says these martyrs were, were baptized not only with water and the spirit, but also in blood, and a blood that is is the seed of unity of all followers of Christ, said Pope Francis. Seed of unity. Yeah. How crazy is that? Uh, so we need to find out a little bit more about the Coptic Orthodox Church. So they have the sacraments, the liturgy. Mm-hmm. They're just not in union with, with Rome. Right. Officially. So they have their own pope. I wonder yeah. if we can receive their sacraments or no. Uh, you can if the... If the Roman or like uh, there's no other option. Catholic's not available. Yeah, you can. So so if it's like there's no other church, it's like oh yeah, we can you can receive there. Right. Like if you're uh, on vacation in Egypt one day, yeah, and you get stuck and your plane's delayed, and you got to go to mass it's Sunday, hmm. and there's no Christian Catholic church or, uh, Catholic church around, so you can go to the Orthodox one. Yeah. Wow. Same thing with confession. Man, Pope Francis, you know we need to pray for him. He he uh, <clears throat> he looks old. He's walking with a cane. You know, you know, he looks, you know, yeah. I think I said, like, when Pope Benedict died, I was like, I'm telling you, like, we're going to, you know, have two popes and then two popes die within pretty quickly. Not like boom, boom, but like, right. you know, within usually. a few years, yeah. Yeah, usually have like a long span, but anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll pray for the Holy Father. Well, and it's interesting. So you brought, we're talking about the Holy Spirit as a source of unity, and then you brought up two other sources of unity. So one would be the um, the blood of the the martyrs is a seabed of the church. That old phrase, and then mm-hmm. Pope Francis says like that's unity is in our martyrdom, and then Pope Francis himself, the papacy, as an office of unity, and that was a sign of the spirit moving, like mm-hmm. God just humbling the the Pope to reach out to our brother Christians and say let's let's build unity, like we recognize these faithful Christians as martyrs, and we want to recognize them in the Catholic Church. Yeah, that is wild. Well, the reverse has been true, where our saints have been recognized by them. Mm. I'm trying to think if this has happened before. Does it say? Like, people that were 
not in union with Rome being declared saints. I don't know if that's happened before. Yeah, the Coptic Pope uh, laid out four steps to follow along the path toward reconciliation and Christian unity, pointing to figures depicted on a, on a cross he has displayed while in Rome. He said, I just find this so interesting, uh, because I, I would just love the, the church to be one. I, I mean, that's <laughs> kind of one of my things. Like, I just don't like this unity in marriage and people and friendship, uh, we, you know, but in the church, like, we, we just need one one deal, man, make a change. He said, uh, the first step, uh, is that a fraternity in Christ expressed through joint activities, mm-hmm. like working together. The second step he added includes mutual understanding through the study of traditions, sacraments, and everything that has, that has to do, uh, with the churches. The third step he says involves liturgical and informal dialogue, including dialogue among young people and members of the church's clergy. And the fourth step is prayer because prayer can work miracles. Mm. Man, how about that? How about that? I mean, this is what you were just talking about. You prayer. Know? Prayer. got to pray. Holy Spirit. So um, I, good things are going to happen, man. I'm ready. Okay, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome to the show. We have been pinging all over the place. It's the most ADD show on the planet with my good friend, Deacon Adam Kong. <laughs> the most ADD show on the planet. That's Would you good. consider me ADD? Like just hanging out with me for years? Uh, like how would you describe I me? wouldn't like think... Like if somebody asked you, hey, who do you know that's ADD as an adult? Like your name wouldn't come to okay. mind. Okay. So it's like not you top on the of top mind. list. Okay. But I could see like if if uh and you have told me that like that's been a part of your journey, I guess. Like I could see okay, well that makes sense. But it's not like it <laughs> defines you no. in my mind. No, no, and I don't medication for it and no no if, if people are great, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I've just had to learn tools to focus, but I can get off track pretty quick. Which can make for good uh, conversation, also frustrating conversation, I guess. So if you're a podcast listener, it's a side note, and we're we're getting off track constantly. It's you may of, enjoy it. Maybe may we not. just have a long audience of ADD people who just get it. They're yeah. like, yeah, we, we're following along. Okay, just to clarify, you know, um, the Pope did not canonize the Coptic martyrs. Okay like the process of canonization, mm-hmm. he recognized them into the Roman martyrology, which is like we recognize these as legit um, martyrs of the faith. Mm-hmm. And when you're a martyr of the faith, I think you were saying the break, you automatically assume blessed or... Yeah, you're at least of the same rank. Now, if you're 
if they're Catholics, uh, we start calling them blessed right away. And I'm trying to think of an example of that um, in recent times. But when you're declared a martyr, it's like... Your path to sainthood is like on course. Correct. Immediately. And you're at the rank of blessed, let's say. Rank of blessed. But you're not canonized a saint, official saint, like with a saint title, Mm -hmm. until there's miracles in your name. At, At least one. And then you also have your life examined for virtue, heroic virtue, and declared it to your life. Like you're an exa- your life was an example of heroic virtue to be right. canonized a saint. And this is getting into the weeds, but maybe people like the weeds. But that's the key difference between, let's say, being blessed and being canonized, right? So a blessed, we're saying that the person is blessed. Like God has blessed them uh, with holiness in a particular way. And it could be because they lived a life of profound holiness, or it could be because of their martyrdom, like God blessed them with martyrdom. Um, but canonized, the word canon means a rule or a standard, that their life is a standard by which everyone should live. Hmm. And those are saying two different things. There, that is. I mean, because, you know, someone could be martyred for the faith and not be living a virtuous life. Right, until that, that moment. Until that moment, they have the grace to be to be like, yeah, I believe in God, and then they're killed for their faith. But, yeah, if you would look at maybe their their life they've lived, maybe, you know, and no one's perfect, but, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know, whatever. They, they could be living in sin, but in that moment have grace. Right. But the blessed are in heaven, right? So when we declare, when we accept the martyrdom of someone, when the Pope declares that they're martyrs, that they are in heaven. Uh, think of the holy innocents, the little children, that were killed uh, by Herod and his men in search of Jesus. They are the holy innocents. They are martyrs. We wear red. They're in heaven. But they're not canonized in the same way that we say, like, St. Therese. It's not like their life is an example that should be imitated, should be the standard and rule for all Christian life. You see what I'm saying? Gotcha. Because these are little babies uh, who didn't know Jesus. They weren't, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But but they're martyrs, and so they're in, they're holy. They're in heaven, and they're uh, in that way they're saints. It's such a mystery, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Because yeah. we've also talked on the show about I think it was one of the saints. Maybe it was like in Asia uh, who struggled with drug addiction and mm-hmm. became a saint, mm-hmm. but like was martyred, you know. Was it opium or I can't remember? We've talked about that saint before. I got to find it out, but that's going to be a cliffhanger because we're not going to get to it today. <laughs> do you remember? Do yeah, you remember I do remember. That, I, yeah, I, can't yeah. re- I can't remember the name, uh, but yeah, um, yeah. And I mean the um, the heroic virtue thing is pretty important, and it's it's difficult to prove. I had a, a little insight into that in the past few years. I had a conversation with somebody who's worked in that office of canonization. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, you know it's it's not an exact science. But basically, the 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 Pope has to have a uh, moral certitude of um, the holiness of a person and the virtue that they lived. And there's processes that the Pope uses to set in place to to have that certitude. But it's not an exact science necessarily. But one of them is that a book is written of the seven virtues. Those are the chapters of the book, and how this person lived each virtue heroically. So faith, hope, charity, justice. Uh, well, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude, and um, that each virtue is has a heroic example in this person's life. 
But then how long does it have to be that way, right? Like what if you convert two years before you die and you're a heroic saint for two years before you die? Is that enough? Hmm. So apparently uh, 10 years is kind of the rule of thumb in the office these days. Gotcha. That a person would live about 10 years, a heroically virtuous life to be canonized, to say this is how long, this is a life that we should all imitate. You know, hmm. so a little bit of trivia for you, man. I, I, well, I need if I start today, <laughs> ten years from now, because I I can't count the last ten. Man, how many times have we started with the Lord that way? Like, all right, or, starting today, Jesus. I can't count the previous ten. <laughs> <laughs> Did I do ten and then skip ten? You know, I got to re. <laughs> You're right. Like, how many times we be like, okay, Lord, I'm starting over. Yeah. A life of sainthood today, <laughs> and by the end of the day, you're like, man, I, did I ever screw that up? <laughs> you ever feel that way? Or oh, no? yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, there's hope for all of us. Well, think about the Holy Spirit. There. We're talking earlier about Christian unity. You know, you ever feel sometimes, Paul, that like, okay, I, I've tried to fix this problem in my life so many times, and it just hasn't, and you just want to like not not fix it anymore. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's the, it could be the 102nd time that the Lord wants to actually show up with the Holy Spirit and, and solve something in the life. I mean, we've been out of union with uh, the Orthodox Church for since the year 1,000, so over 1,000 years. Mm. And you can look at a situation and just say, well, it's just always going to be that way. Which is the same, because we were once in union. Yeah. And now we're not. Yeah. Just because of, like, infighting. Yeah. Right? And we could fix it. Could fix it. Well, God could fix it when he wants, but... The thing is, the prayer, the last element, we have to pray for the Lord to do something. It's the same thing with our life. I mean, how many times do we try to fix this or fix that? Or Well, it's the pride. You're right, I'm wrong, mm-hmm. I'm right, you're wrong. And this is like the division in the church. I mean, this is when the Protestant Reformation mm-hmm. happened as well. It was like, you know, you're wrong, we're right, and, you know, yada, yada. And, and to the Catholic Church's fault as well, like there were some things that they needed self-correct. But it, human element gets in the way. The human condition, the brokenness of, of humanity, causes disunity, and it happens in, in everything, and it makes me sad. You've just, like, ended the show horrible. What do you mean? You just made me, like, really upset. About what? The disunity in the church. So, Well, the message of hope there is that there is a power of unity. You have to end on a happy note. There's a power of unity called the Holy Spirit, and he's the only source of real unity. And so it's not like we're going to figure stuff out and become more united. That's not what the path to unity looks like. path to unity is we pray for the Holy Spirit to come into the church, especially where he's not invited yet. Right. Right? Like break down the barriers. Break down the um, the places where the church is, is not alive with the Holy Spirit. And we ask the Holy Spirit to come in and breathe again in the church every year at Pentecost. Every year, every year, every year, and every day. Come... And that's the solution. Holy Spirit. It really is that simple. We just get out of the Spirit's way, and we pray that he comes. Amen, dude. And uh, he does it. amazing things. Man, you're going to have a good homily this Sunday. You think so? Yeah. I won't be preaching this Sunday, but... Well, you need to. Okay. Or whoever it is, you tell them. You tell them what to say. <laughs> After Mass, I'll just... <laughs> no, right before. Oh, I see. Yeah. Hey, here's what you need to say. And <laughs> yeah, that'll work. That, hey... Hey, hey. Anyway. I was told today about, um, I need to preach about something. I was, I was with the men's Bible study this morning, mm-hmm. and we we're talking about um, the Eucharist, actually. And um, 
the the commandments around the Eucharist, like fasting an hour before and anyway. And there's like, why don't priests talk about this on the pulpit? And the guy said, you should preach about that next time you, <laughs> you preach a homily. So I guess I have to now. So right. I will. Amen. Okay. Um, great it, show today. All over the place. All over in the place. a good way. Like there was a theme. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Share the show on the podcast, uh, wherever you are. Uh, visit holygrit.org to get the book, Holy Grit. It's an awesome book for men and uh, groups. And uh, thanks to KLFT Radio here in Acadiana. And we'll be back next week. God bless. Uh-huh.